What's up, everybody? It's Eric. If someone wins a giant ass panda on your watch, you should just go home because you're fired. Okay. Hey guys, this is Joe. We pay little Malaysian kids 10 cents to make these toys. We can't just give them away. On April 3rd, I don't have much work experience. You are hired. The director of Superbad asks, Did your first job suck this much? Oh my god. You'll get better at avoiding that. The Onion Raves, Adventureland is very funny. You get a five minute bathroom break every two hours. I recommend saving a few of those up in case you have to go number two. The director of Superbad makes a triumphant return. I think I should probably be on the rides department. No, you're more of a game guy. Gary, you're very gamey. Let's party! You're guaranteed to have a good time. People are trying to kill me. Get out of my doorway! You don't know what I'm capable of! Thanks, Bobby. Hey, no problem. Jesse Eisenberg, Kristen Stewart, Martin Starr, Bill Hader, Kristen Wiig, and Ryan Reynolds. Every time you meet a beautiful woman, don't you imagine what she'd look like naked? Coming? Yeah, you go ahead. I'll be in a second. Overhead him! <laughs> you got him! Adventureland. You been drinking drugs? No. Your eyes are red. Have you been crying? Yeah, maybe like a little bit. Radar in theaters April 3rd. You're listening to Word the Late Feed, the podcast where two former video rental clerks watch movies that they may have recommended at one time to see if they still think that the film would be worth keeping an extra day or two to watch again, even if it meant paying a late fee. What's new, Joe? How's it going? Not too bad, Eric. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I I, I put a note because I was like, between the two of us, we're both going to forget. I had mentioned at the end of the last episode that I had to remember at the beginning of this episode to ask we always say at the end of every episode that if you have a request to send it in uh messages on instagram at worth a late fee again so worth a late fee not worth the late fee uh so i just wanted to mention that i'm going to try to circle back and mention it again at the end but if you guys are listening and you have a movie that you want us to talk about send us a message but uh other than that um i good nothing new watching as far as what i've been watching I'm watching a ton of tv shows still finishing snowfall still loving it uh i just finished the third season um and also i texted you about this yesterday but actually before we get into this before we get into the, that show i i have to for the fourth or fifth time tell people that they should be watching the wonder years reboot because it's awesome and last week's episode was great <clears throat> so i'll be watching the new one tonight it's wednesday but um i texted you about this other show yesterday but uh, only murders in the building on Hulu. So Steve Martin, Martin Short, and Selena Gomez holding her own with and she's doing great. she's great. In it. She's doing great, dude. And <laughs> imagine having the like the guts to be like, oh, I'll sign up because she hasn't done a ton of acting, right? Yeah, she's like she's been in movies like she was in um Spring Breakers, she was in um The Fundamentals of Karen, I think it was. She's been, she's not like, she's really focusing more on, I feel like she's a cooking show right now on HBO, which I believe yep, is like yep. a lot of her focus right now, which is actually not bad either. But yeah, she hasn't been like a big TV show like this, like an all star cast type of show. So imagine having that experience, that little experience, and then being like, oh, I'm going to split time with Steve Martin and Martin Short. Right, and so if, if you guys haven't heard of it or seen a trailer, it's, it's a, series about these people all live in an apartment building in new york city steve martin martin short and then selena gomez character and they're all into true crime podcasts and then something happens in the apartment that leads to them trying to figure it out and it's kind of got like a clue vibe 
but like more modern because of the podcast thing which i i love because i listen to true crime podcasts so i was like right away brie and i are both we're both in so i watch snowfall when i'm by myself only murders in the building with brie and then uh i've also been watching when i just need stuff on in the background i've been re-watching it at a you, you probably never even watch these or at least one of these shows but i've been re-watching martin or uh, on hbl max or living single on hulu just like totally redoing my childhood so what, what about you what have you been watching i uh so i i bought a while ago that movie midway by roland emmerich so it was okay it was a it takes place around the um around world war ii but it was Is that a remake because wasn't midway wasn't midway wasn't that a movie in like the that they made a long time it, ago or no it, it may have been it's, yeah, it, okay. it, i mean it was it was good it was a good movie it was um probably won't revisit anytime soon but for 4k looked pretty good with the explosions and all that and the action sequences but okay um, yeah they made they made one in uh 1976 okay so i don't know i don't know if it's a straight up remake or or whatever but yeah sorry I mean, roland, roland emmerich's the guy who pretty much all those movies with disaster films dipped tomorrow 2012 i believe i think it's 2012 he's on that new moon fall movie or whatever it's called but so it was, it was interesting I, I was curious in this movie because it wasn't typical like the world is ending with like he usually does but um it was okay and i yep. did see yesterday in theaters with my brother uh finally west side story which was what you expect from steven spielberg a beautifully shot film um forgive me what is the main girl's name on that uh west side story yeah oh my goodness i'm looking not, it up right now not that well it still is there's i think ariana debose she was on snl on saturday right she's it's weird she's on the main poster but she's not really in the movie as much as the other characters so it was weird how she was i because i wanted this movie not only who she she was going to play but she wasn't she had a pretty big impact on a couple scenes but she wasn't on the screen the most so i was was interested to see her because i watched snl episode for that reason alone but so the weird thing about it on snl and this season of snl has been great i know everyone you know kind of trash on snl bleachers ron i was pumped yep and she the one thing that brie and i both said after we finished this week's episode was it was a great episode like the skits were all good but she seemed so comfortable on stage and performing and we feel like they underutilized her like the few things that she was in she was funny and then sometimes they have a guest on or host who's not that funny at all and it seems like they jam them into every every bit Brie and I were both like, I don't know why they didn't have her involved more, but yeah, it, was, it was still a good episode. It was. I don't know if it was like a conflict with her schedule, maybe. She might do a couple of them or whatever, but yeah, Could it was be. interesting because like you said, she had a couple... She was really good Like when she was able to use her voice. Like I think the opening monologue with her singing with... Oh, um, yeah. Oh, it was so good with um, Kate McKinnon. Uh, Kate McKinnon. Yeah. yeah. I, was, I, was like, I wish we had more stuff like that because like you said, she's super talented. And the bit where she was... Um, she was like the press secretary for the new mayor of New York city. And she was, and he was just like kind of talking all this trash and she was like his hype man or hype girl. That was, that was good too. Yeah. She, yeah, she was good. She was funny. She was good. Super talented, obviously. Um, Oh, sorry. Do, what else are you watching? Anything good? No, that's pretty much it. Was for new things that I just watched. Midway wasn't as, wasn't new, but West Side Story was, and it was great. And it was, it, it's a shame how it was a box office bomb because it really is a good remake of a classic story. Um, it was funny. We went. To, we my brother went to the theater, and we always see the, the how. What's I story? The story of it and how it ends and all that. But it's still we were with all these old people, like 
70 year old people all around yep. us and they were still crying like it's still he was still able to like capture a story that we all knew and we knew it was going to happen but he still brought it made it so it was emotional in a whole new way it was really yeah, well Bri- done when we were watching snl brie and i was were, were like brie was like i would watch that would you watch that and i was like of course i'd watch that but then we looked and the fact that we would have to go to a theater we were like uh, i don't know hopefully it'll be out soon on streaming or <clears throat> whatever but um so today we're going to be talking about you you heard the trailer it was joe's pick and i'm gonna i'll let him explain why he picked it in a second but we're going to be talking about uh adventureland from 2009 uh with uh jesse eisenberg kristen stewart and ryan reynolds and a few others um and to go along with that uh the best beer i could find to kind of line up with it is a uh, general admission ipa from cisco brewing i figured it kind of lined up with the theme park big fan of cisco brewing as usual so joe this is um this is your pick why why'd you pick it explain yourself so i, I saw some theaters when i came out and i was obsessed with this film for a good while it's been a few years since i've seen it from start to finish so i was curious to rewatch it with some of the podcast questions we ask each other in the back of my mind during this recent viewing um but yeah this was this was kind of close to our well, we can't go beyond when it comes to our 2000, 2010 um, agreement here, but yep. I'm happy this made the cut because it was, it was good revisiting this one. Yeah. So I, I said this before on the podcast, but I saw this around when it came out, probably like a little bit after that. So a little over 10 years ago. And I remember liking it, but not, I didn't, it wasn't, didn't like really make much of an impact on me, I guess, the first time I saw it. But then I rewatched it a few months ago and I talked about it on the podcast and it was it was during that time, <clears throat> like that time I watched it, I was doing the whole, I was binge watching all the nostalgia movies and like high school reunion movies and and stuff like that. And it, it, I think it was mentioned in some article that I read. And so that's why I rewatched it. And I liked it a lot more when I rewatched it. The 80s nostalgia got me, I think. I, I, I can't say this for many movies, but I, I know exactly how many times I've seen this movie because I saw it once when it came out originally once uh, about a few months ago and then once uh, last night. So yeah, yeah, I enjoy, I enjoyed rewatching this. Do you have any stats as far as, as how, this, how this did financially? Yeah. Uh, so eventually it came out on April 3rd, 2009 and had a budget of $9.8 million, making 17.2 million in the box office. It was both written and directed by Greg Matola. Is that right? Does that sound right? Matola, Matola. Sure who has also directed Superbad, Paul, the HBO movie Clear History, and Keeping Up with the Joneses. He's only both written directed two films, Adventureland being one of them, and the other being Confess Fletch, which began filming in Boston on June 28th, 2021, but hasn't released it yet. Oh, nice. um, Greg was also involved in TV with the under, uh, very underrated Undeclared, Arrested Development, The Comeback, The Newsroom, and most recently, Dave, which is, if you haven't seen Dave, it's very good with Lil Dicky, and it's, it's yeah, pretty good watch. It's good. Yeah, I've heard yeah. it's good. Um, but yeah, I'm, I, I realize who's doing a movie based on the Fletch series, so it'll be interesting to see, because we saw, we have the two movies with Chevy Chase, yep. and I know some movies have been tossed around between different directors in the past, uh, never coming, becoming a reality, so I realized he was doing, he was taking the helm of Fletch, so it'll be interesting to see John Hamm's starring in it, so. Ooh. Yeah, be interesting. That'd be good. Yeah, I'll check that out. Um, 
as far as how it was reviewed and received in that way, 6.8 out of 10 on IMDb, which I thought was kind of low. Uh, uh, 89% on Rotten Tomatoes, and I was like, that's that's more like it. Three stars from Ebert, so pretty good. I didn't take a specific quote from his review like I, I normally do, but I recommend Googling it, like Google Adventureland Ebert review. He talks about, you know, being a 20-something-year-old, working shitty jobs, and how the only thing that makes them kind of tolerable as the people that you work with and then he actually talks about work he how he worked at a pool for a couple of summers when he was younger and like some girl that he had a crush on and stuff it's nice it's a, it's a nice nice review um so this came out in april of, of 2009 like joe said in theaters other things that came out in that theater i saw right away why well, i didn't see this one in theaters joe this came out the same day as fast and furious so oh, you know there, there it is you know where it's i was we only made 17 million dollars yep yep <laughs> Um, other releases that month, uh, Hannah Montana, the movie, Observe and Report with Seth Rogen and Michael Pena, Crank High Voltage with Jason Statham, Statham uh, State, State of Play with Russell Crowe, uh, Ben Affleck and Rachel McAdams, 17 again with uh, Zac Efron, and Fighting with uh, Channing Tatum. And then there was a few others, but those are the big ones. Have you seen Observe and Report? Uh, no. God, I almost watched a- it. What a wild film! <laughs> I almost Literally watched jaw it. dropping. <laughs> yeah, that's that's kind of what made me. Um, so I was listening to I don't remember which podcast it was that they had Seth Rogen on, and he was talking about it. And then it must have been, maybe it was the um, the guys. Um, the one, oh, I can't think of the name of it right now. But that that made me think about it. And so much, and I almost watched it because it's available for streaming. Uh, Smartless, I think it was Smartless. Do the smart list or yeah, it must have been smart list. So I think it's available to stream right now somewhere. I can't remember where. Um, so I almost watched it recently, but I, I did not. So um, you should definitely check it out. It's one of those movies. It's a, I'm not sure when it came out. Oh, you said 2009. It came out the same week as this. You said. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I, it's definitely one that I think we should. If you, maybe don't watch it yet because I, I think I might pick this at some point because the ending, Eric. I'll tell you right now, like the last act of that movie is just bonkers. <laughs> so. All right, I'll hold off. I'll hold off then. Okay. Um, outside of film, so that's a that's a pretty good month. I mean, yeah, not I know like say what you will about Fast and Furious and Crank with Jason Statham, but at least there's some movies that I remember. And part of it's just as we get into this decade where we were both, you know, we were either you were you weren't were you were you in high school in 20, 2009? No, nope, no, I okay, just so graduated. You, yeah, okay, so yeah, we were we just remember movies more from a certain age. So <clears throat> outside of film. Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame inducted. I got a list here: Jeff Beck, Little Anthony and the Imperials, Metallica, Run DMC, uh, Bobby Womack, Wanda Jackson, Bill Black, DJ Fontana, uh, and Spooner Oldham. So quite the list. And when I read that list, it makes me—I don't—I haven't like recently checked who is and is not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. But every once in a while, you'll hear about some band that's not in. And you're like, how the hell are they not in? And that I get even more mad when I read that list. And I'm like, I don't even know who a bunch of those people are. And I know part of it's an age thing, but <clears throat> anyway, other things that happened. Parks and Rec premiered on NBC. Um, and the US Navy rescued Captain Phillips from the Pirates. Also, Andy Roddick married Brooklyn Decker. And I think they're still together. So good for them. Um, do you have a back of the DVD summary? In the summer of 1987. Recent college graduate, James Brennan can't wait to begin his long-anticipated dream trip to Europe. 
Unfortunately, James's plans come to a screeching halt when his parents announce that they are unable to subsidize his trip. Forced to take a job at the local amusement park, James prepares for the worst summer ever until he finds love with a captivating coworker named M. Very simple. Is there is there a movie? I was gonna mention it later, but does this movie remind you of any other movies? Nick Norris and Friends plays whatever. Yes, reason. yes. Okay, you too. get that vibe too. too. Yep. yep. Totally. There are some scenes that are like straight up like the same scene. So yeah, yeah. I got that same vibe. Um, <clears throat> so the cast is it's got a solid cast. I'm I'm not gonna go through every single person that you would know, um, <clears throat> or every single person that's important, but I just picked out a few of the bigger names. Jesse Eisenberg, main character, he plays James. He was in Roger Dodger in 2002, Emperor's Club also in 2002, The Village in 04, Squid and the Whale in 05, uh, Education of Charlie Banks in 07, uh, then uh, this, and then Social Network in 2010, which got him some Golden Globe and Academy Award nominations. Also known for Zombieland, Batman vs. Superman, Dawn of Justice, Batman vs. Superman, Dawn of Justice, and more. Um, <clears throat> Kristen Stewart, she was the child in Panic Room, which I saw that in theaters forever ago. Um, also in Into the Wild, the Twilight series, uh, which that's what she's probably best known for. Would you agree with that? The Twilight series? 100%, yeah. Yeah. Um, Snow White and the Huntsman, uh, Clouds of Sils Maria. Sorry if I'm butchering that. Personal Shopper, and she recently played Princess Diana in Spencer, So, which I've heard mixed things about. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things where she is known for Twilight, but... Unfortunately, people like already write her off because of that franchise. But Personal Shopper is a great movie. I'm pretty sure it's nominated for Academy Awards. Yeah. So yeah. It's, it's, she definitely has acting chops. In this movie, I think she's this is probably my favorite role with her of, of hers is Adventureland. But she is she's a good actress. I think people just associate with her with Twilight way too quickly. I she is a good actress. I, I have one comment on her that I'll, I'll save for a little bit later. But I, I really liked her in this. I agree with that. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Ryan Reynolds, by far the biggest name um, in the movie product of canada have to mention that uh i first saw him in uh two guys and a girl originally two yes. guys and girls in a pizza place yes. uh but then uh van wilder waiting the proposal green lantern deadpool just friends a million other projects also one of the more likable people in in hollywood him and blake lively are probably the most likable couple especially if you relatively younger you know and they're both like beautiful people so you kind of assume that they'd be in their talented so you're like how are you not fully yourself but and he's generally funny like he oh, makes me hilarious. laugh his tweets is anything he says he's generally a funny guy like it's not like it's not like because the writing he receives for he's actually a funny dude so no yeah for sure um martin star best known for he plays um kind of his the the friend that that james makes at the park named joel best known for freaks and, freaks and geeks or uh now silicon valley uh, also known for Party Down, uh, he was in Knocked Up, Adventureland, Incredible Hulk, and a few Spider-Man films. Kristen Wiig, uh, an SNL alum who I think is hilarious. My wife loves her too. Uh, outside of SNL, she's been in uh, Unaccompanied Minors, Knocked Up. She kind of plays the same character in Knocked Up that she does in this. That's the one like <clears throat> knock I have on on her. But um, in this, Whip It, Bridesmaids. Uh, Girl, most likely, Secret Life of Walter Mitty, Diary of a Teenage Girl, The Martian, Ghostbusters, the one in 2015, obviously, and more. Bill Hader, another former SNL cast member who kills it in this movie, in my opinion. And there are a handful of movies 
and I'm going to list out some of them here where he does this, where he plays a kind of a supporting role, smaller role, but he cracks me up every single time he's on the screen. Super bad's another one where he's the cop. Tropic Thunder when he's Tom Cruise's assistant. Um, forgetting Sarah Marshall when he's the brother-in-law who makes like the Zoom calls. Him and his wife keep calling Jason Siegel. Um, also in Hot Rod and, and he did voice work too, but he's he's so funny. Um, and he, he cracked me up in this. The, the scene when, um, I mean, there's a few scenes when he's calling the horse race. <clears throat> That's great. Um, when the kids chase uh, Jesse Eisenberg back to the scene. trailer <laughs> and he, he pops out with a bat and he's like, give me a reason. Give me then, a reason. He goes right back in. Not, nothing happens. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. And it's, it's extra funny because he's, you know, not an intimidating looking man. You know what I mean? Like he's not, I mean, he had a bat, so that's one thing, but his, his confidence is great. Um, and then I had a fun fact that normally we mention in the next section, but I wanted to mention here, Kristen Wiig and Bill Hader were only set, were only on set for four days. All scenes with their characters, Paulette and Bobby had to be condensed and shot quickly due to their commitments to Saturday Night Live. So that was pretty cool. Speaking of fun facts, what did you have down for trivia behind the scenes stuff? So that that was one of mine. I also so I stole have. It. It's a good one though. It's, it's interesting because, like you said, like it just goes to show if you have a good team, you can schedule around their other conflicts. And talents um, worth working around too. You know right. what I mean? You look at Rest of Development. Season four was it when they could, they just couldn't make the schedules work and they just made a mess of things. So like yep. it's nice seeing. Um, but anyways, so. Crews were hired to remove and hide snowfall and snow accumulation during filming because the film was shot in the winter months. In some indoor scenes, extras were paid to block the windows and doors so the snowfall wouldn't be visible on camera. Um, like you mentioned, Chris and Wigan Billy were only there for a few days, so it was, it was cool seeing how they were able to film their memorable scenes in that time. And originally, this was planned. This movie was planned to open the same day as a reopening of the Adventureland in New York, Long Island, New York. I saw uh, that. Yeah, so it's pretty cool because I actually didn't realize this was a real place. But there it is. It's a real place from Long Island, New York. So, yeah. Um, and the director, Greg Matola, uh, originally planned to shoot the movie in the real Adventureland park. Because I guess he went there as a kid and kind of inspired him, but he decided against it since the park had been so drastically remodeled since he had worked there. So I thought that was cool. I, one of our old movie scene coworkers I saw on social media the other day, she posted something similar. Alana, she's and she's moved away. She's moved down south, but she put something up about how she like doesn't almost doesn't want to go back to her hometown because she's been away for so long and it's changed so much that she'd just rather leave it in her memory so yeah. i thought that was cool um I, and like I, you, go ahead go ahead oh no as i said before we get i do i do want to one more thing but you if you finish first no no go ahead i don't want to steal yours if you have it go ahead no, no so i was gonna say one more thing just because it's a really cool little tidbit this screenplay was actually featured on the blacklist which is, I'm not sure if you know it, if you're familiar with that, but it's a really cool tool where people upload screenplays. And a lot of times producers or whoever will go on this website and try and find scripts that are highly voted because they're scripts that usually aren't made, but depending on how popular they are, if, if they're being read by a lot of people, they're voting for it, whatever, it can actually get made. If, and this is one of those movies in 2007 that was featured as a blacklist, which is I'm glad you, cool. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because I did see something about that, how it was like, it, it was almost like it won an award where it was like the most um, the most sought after or the most highly rated 
but unselected script or something like that. Yeah, it's it's, it's really cool. Like it's it's anyone can go on. Like you can go on. I can go on. We can just read a bunch of scripts that are popular in Hollywood. And the fact that some of these aren't ever made is really like disheartening for a lot of people who do want to write. Especially when you see the crap that is made. Right. You know what I mean? Um, it's like it's like music. Like sometimes I'll be at a local venue and you're like, like I'll be at Cisco Brewers, like they have good live music and and we'll go see some guy who's you're like this is one of the most talented people i've ever seen in my life and he or she won't ever they'll play bars for five or six years and then fizzle out and then you turn on the tv and i'm not trying to sound like an old person but someone with absolutely zero talent is like making bajillions of dollars you're like what the hell um like you said the real adventureland park which this is based on is located in Farmingdale, New York and on Long Island, which I've actually been to Farmingdale. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, And then the last one I have is Adventureland marks uh, the first of three collaborations between Jesse Eisenberg and Kristen Stewart. They also co-star in American ultra in 2015 and in Woody Allen's cafe society in 2016. That's about it. Now stuff that wouldn't fly stuff. That's not PC and wouldn't fly today. What did you have? I mean, obviously, some of the some jokes and some homophobic jokes, I guess you could say, that were quite frequent. But I, I, this was another tricky one. Like last week, it's it's a it's in the '80s, so it's like people talk like that in the '80s, so it's hard to say it wouldn't. Yeah. Fly. Obviously, it wouldn't fly today. It does not fly today. But for the from about the '80s, I don't know. It's you. Can, yeah. I, I guess it's, you can leave it up to you if it, if if it's something that would offend you. I agree. The, I'll tell you the thing that 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 did bother me, and I just didn't find it necessary. Like I was like, it's not funny. It's not whatever. There was that character named Rich, who was pretty clearly he's the one that finds them. Oh made. yeah, yeah, you're right. Yo, that I don't know was, how I, he yeah. was like mentally challenged. I don't know how you how you'd categorize it, but he yeah, he was he had a learning disability or something, right? Yeah. And I was just like, I don't get why. It's it didn't like ruin my day, but I was like, I just don't get I mean, maybe maybe we'll hear the story and uh Greg Matola really did work with a guy named Rich who, you know, was mentally disabled or whatever. But I, I in this movie I just didn't get it. I, I was like, I don't it's you know, like so, I said. <clears throat> yeah, it's so funny how we've kind of like there's a whole what was that movie with the ringer from the ringer about the Special Olympics joined Knoxville? Yep. It's like a movie like that would never get made today. Now I should say though that I now I haven't seen The Ringer, but I actually have heard, and again I haven't seen it, but I've heard that that movie did a lot for. I know I think it raised a lot of money for the Special Olympics, and it. Oh, did it? Okay. Yeah, I haven't seen it though, but I'm sure. Yeah, but all yeah, I know, all I know, I know is based off of. Yeah, all I know is <laughs> yeah. based off a of South Park episode. But like you said, if if it did, if it does good, then that's a whole different scenario. But yeah, that that character was the one person that I was just like I I I just didn't get it. I was like I don't really. I don't understand. I don't understand the point of it, but and don't they um, call him the R word too? Probably. If they don't call him that, they yeah, I think they do. I think yeah. they do. When he's trying to explain himself. Uh, right. when he's trying to explain what he saw when when he sees um Stuart's character with Ramos. I think the uh, Frigo, or his name is, calls him now. I'm like, oh, I'm like that part did. Yeah. I think kind of wince a little bit, but right. So, so that made you wince. That was a bad scene. What's your what's your favorite scene? 
So I have a, a few favorite things I've made note of here. Um, I cop out, but honestly, every scene that features the crew at the amusement park, I could literally watch an entire movie with them just at the amusement park and no other setting at all. I thought it was so fun watching this place that had a pretty fun crew. And I love the chemistry between Eisenberg, Stewart, and Star. They're just, they're great throughout the entire film. I, I loved wish- when, um, I loved, this just reminded me of it, when Chris and Stewart, when M stuck up for Joel. I was just going to say, that's, that's the thing. Oh, sorry, sorry. No, 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 no. That's, that's, I'm glad you mentioned that because it's, I love how they're so low to each other. Yep. That scene specifically, um, I forgot her name, but this girl who Star has like a little romance with, he- Is that Sue? I think it was Sue. You might be right. You might be right, Sue. She, they have a night together. Then the next day, she, I don't know, sobers up and she realizes that she might have made a mistake, but she <clears> does it in a really bad way. And she makes Star's character, Joel, feel like shit after. Yep. Um, and then that's when we see M, played by Stewart. She just storms out after he, after Joel tells her what happened. She just storms out and she's like, you're not my friend anymore. And it's just an awesome sequence. It shows right. you're how, dead to me. yeah, it's just how, how that trio was so good together. Yep. But I really like the scene. This is a mixed bag because I know a lot of people don't like this scene, but I loved how it ended. It made sense for this movie, in my opinion. He finds a way to take control of his life and not only rely on his parents. He does that by moving to this big city and takes a risk on what could end up becoming more than just a summer crush. And looking up, like, I remember when this movie came out and I kind of, I went back and looked at it before I was typing this up because I was seeing like where my thoughts were with other people after not seeing it in a little while. And a lot of people don't like that ending scene, whereas I thought it was really great because, yeah, you could mention the fact that he goes there to, he goes all this way just to risk. He might not even get the girl in the end, but I love the idea. Like, even if it didn't work out, he just did his own thing because he was so dependent on his family. Right. Money in the beginning. Um, it was so nice seeing him just like go to the city and get away from all that and just take control of his life. So I love that ending. Yep. Yeah, I, I did too. I, I, there's something I would tweak about it, which I'll mention in a little bit. But one thing that I would like to see from like, if there's like a director's commentary um, is just an explanation or if there was any like hidden message or symbolism. So the first night that they kind of get together, they go in the pool and then they come out and she's like, give me your underwear, I'll throw in the dryer. And then this, and then that same night, or not that same night sorry the night in new york he comes in he's like soaking he's soaked from the rain and she's like give me your shirt and then it's like this weird i don't know if it's just total coincidence or if there was some something that i i missed there but i i i like the ending too i like i said i have something that i would change about it that i'll get into a little bit but no i like i like that scene too i think that's supposed to, i think russell take notice of that because it's almost like she accepted him the first time when at the pool like that's when you like realize that they could become a they could become a couple so i think at the end like i, I, I kind of took that as they were gonna get together before the sex even happened so did you not to get, change the subject but did you when i mentioned the wonder years you kind of smiled did you watch last week's episode of the wonder years you know i was gonna smile because i finally started getting caught up with it eric so, okay so, so there, there's a scene and and let me know when you watched last week's episode because we had to I talk will. about something but because it ties into what what something to do uh, with the pool scene in this movie, but so my favorite scene. Are you? Oh, I'm sorry. Are you nope, all set? Like, oh, yeah, I'm all set. Okay. So this isn't my favorite scene, uh, 
well, it might be one, it might be my favorite like comedic scene, but when Bill Hader is trying to get Eisenberg to give more energy in the horse race game, and then the the next round of Eisenberg like giving like a background story to all the horses, that cracked me up and it reminded me. <laughs> It reminded me of us working at movie scene and me trying to convince you to sell bundle packs <laughs> and be like, <laughs> so when we were, when Joe and I worked at the, at the video rental store, I think we've mentioned this on the podcast before, but every year around Christmas, we'd have this promotion where you could sell the, these bundle packs that seriously were a really good deal, but I was super competitive and I wanted to win. They would give like, you know, best, uh, the store that sold the most, the person that sold the most would get, you know, it was probably like four dollars they didn't give up much but it was a pizza or, party I believe. it wasn't a pizza party yeah, like, it, was like yeah. a high, it was like a school like you know a school prize if you want to get a pizza party <laughs> right and i would get so competitive and it used to drive me so crazy when like joe or this my assistant manager who were friends with katie just didn't care at all it like it it used to literally i lost sleep over it it would drive me crazy <laughs> So, so hey, I tried. I was, I was very convinced. <laughs> no, no, I wasn't confident enough to sell those goddamn things. So when when Bill Hader's like trying to get him to like give more energy in a stupid amusement park horse race, I was like, oh my god, um, that's me. Um, but so as far as like the actual favorite scene, this is really hard for me, and I, I, I may be jumping ahead to what I may change and could improve, but. I don't know that there's really a scene that kind of like stole the show. Don't get me wrong. I had a ton of fun moments, funny moments, nice moments, and I loved it. Just not a super memorable one that you could show to someone to try to get them to buy into the movie. I guess if I had to pick one though, it would be the tour at the beginning of uh, James's career at Adventureland that Joel gives him on his first day where Joel's like, that's the flying Dutchman. And he talks about how it's like spelled weird. And then he's explaining that all the games are rigged and the the giant ass panda quote and everything that that i really like that one and then the runner-up might be the opening scene with the replacements uh playing bastards of young because that that scene and it's and that he gets dumped by his college girlfriend but re-watching it this time and the time a few few months ago to lead into the soundtrack talk um the opening credits set to bastards of young is what grabbed me this time and the last time and i remember that watching it a few months ago that i was kind of like going through the motions had it on in the background and then i heard that song and i was like oh shit okay all right and then uh, like uh, just like heaven by the cure later on and a bunch of other just great songs that that's what made me buy in and another fun fact that i had a total of 41 songs were licensed for use in the film but only 14 made it to the film's accompanying soundtrack most songs usually from the 80s but to fit the time frame, songs from the 60s and 70s were also utilized. But that same quote in the soundtrack <laughs> section. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So the, the the soundtrack to this movie is unbelievable. I want I want to buy it. The only thing that stinks is a lot of the movies that I that I really like, like they they have um they have not Bastards Young. They have Unsatisfied by the replacements on the soundtrack on the official soundtrack, but they don't have uh, Bastards of Young. But even still. Everything from the Cure to David Bowie to Inexcess to uh, you know Velvet Underground. There's a bunch of great songs on the soundtrack. What yeah, about you? you I, I can't add anything to what you just said. You just pretty much nailed it. It's a great soundtrack, and the fact that they did license 41 songs, which is probably where a lot of the budget went to. Like not at all, not a lot of it, but like that must have been pretty expensive to license songs from these big bands. In the fact, that they only used 14 of them is saying something. So they made some. They probably did some 
made some tough decisions in the end there to choose what they liked more. But yeah, it's a great soundtrack. And while I'm not nostalgic for this period, I love the cure. I love the outfield replacement. So really good soundtrack. And just looking at the soundtrack listing, one other funny thing that's just so perfect and it's so spot on for like crappy high school jobs or crappy co- uh, college jobs that there's just little things like this that bother you is the rock me Amadeus song playing like a hundred times a day. That's such a, that's such a thing that happens. Like I remember when we worked at the, at the video store, we were supposed to get a new trailer DVD every month. And then there would be some times where we would just wouldn't get the DVD. So you'd be, I don't know how many trailers played on a loop on that DVD, maybe like 10 or 20 and but they're you know you work enough shifts where you're watching just movie trailers over and the same fun facts and the same whatever there was times where we would go into the old drawer of old trailers and start playing the trailers from like 10 years ago the old dvd from 10 years ago because we couldn't take it anymore so that's i i really like that part so i by the way i have a bunch of those still so you know i have all i took a bunch of those trailer dvds so good i'm glad they have a good home if you ever uh want to revisit your the my movie scene days. career <laughs> yeah. Dude, i wish know. no no joke and this will this will never happen but if there was i wish it would but if there was ever if video rental stores ever somehow made a comeback i would 150 percent be like i'm going to work like one or two nights a week just and make four dollars like i did like i made like no money at that place but just just that that job is so fun and just being around people to talk talk about movies and you know i would yeah. totally do that we met some really cool people just customer wise we, we did really cool people i met i mean we talked about fletcher earlier our buddy uh what's his name uh that guy who came in who took ryan and i to the pawn shop oh, the serial killer yeah he gave me fletch so we got, oh, i i i saw Fletcher the first time because of that guy because didn't you say he there. passed away no you told me that i thought i didn't yeah, know that I think, I think which made did. me super sad because like that yeah guy i think was, he did he was generally a nice dude Definitely a, yeah, totally a serial killer, but maybe. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so if you, if you could change one thing about this movie, what would you change? All right. So this is, again, I'm doing a lot of research on this because I was like, I was just curious on where my thoughts were because it's been so long since so I've actually like, looked into this. It's a very simple romance on paper. And I think like, I, I feel like if people are going this to like, to relive like a super bad movie they're gonna be pretty disappointed because it's not laugh out loud funny like super bad is it's more of like a a high school slash young adult yeah. but, you know it's just a romance film there are moments where you crack up but it's not yeah it's oh, not yeah, the whole sure. time right marketing it marketing the blu-ray which i have over here from the director of super bad it's like that's a bad sell it's <laughs> so. kind of like the reverse of like super bad is like 90 percent you're laughing so hard you can't breathe with 10% of the love story. And this is kind of like the flip of that. It's not quite, it's more than 10% funny, but you know what I mean? It's, it's more heavily. Yeah. Yeah. It's saying, saying the viewers for disappointment for sure. I'm marking it like that. Yeah. Um, And I do wish we had a lot more scenes with the crew interacting with each other with the few scenes we do get. It's so refreshing to see people who are on different levels of popularity interact with their fellow coworkers in a friendly way. For example, Lisa P just getting back and talking to Joel and James. Um, <clears throat> despite some drama between them later on, their interactions weren't totally cliche, you know, jocks stick with jocks, nerds, nerds stick with nerds. I love how they just all interact and like they're all like in this shitty job together. Um, I wish we got a lot more of that. Like we got a little bit of hint, a little hint of it when they're after, <clears throat> after work, they're all getting, they're uh, hanging around the closed theme parks. 
getting nips, pouring the alcohol in their drinks, and, like just talking, like, oh, she had a little more of that, but we didn't get a lot of that, unfortunately. Did Lisa P was actually pretty cool. Like, you, yeah, right. That's what I'm saying. She was actually you see pretty her, cool. You, when you first see her, you're like, oh, you're supposed to hate this girl. You're going to hate this girl because she's like the girl that every guy wants and whatever. And then she actually turns out to be a pretty like good person and yeah. whatever. But that's that first scene when, um, when uh, Martin Starr's character Joel is talking about her body and like how like he's just so creepy and it, it, I was <laughs> yes. I was cracking up. Um, but in but, any of the movie though, I feel like she would just like you know because Joel's Joel, she would not even talk to him. So it was just really cool seeing her talk to like a regular person. Like it was just refreshing in that sense. Um, what was what was um in Nick and Nora's? What was Nick's ex girlfriend Trish or Lish? Or yeah, something? Trish. You think that or she's going to be like Tress, yeah. You think that she's going to be like that, and then you're going to hate her within three minutes. But then right. you're like, oh, she's actually like, obviously she's a very pretty girl, but she's she's actually seems like a pretty decent person too. So. Right. Yeah. So yeah. she had more of that, like more of them just like hanging out and talking to each other. Um, and Bill Hader. Usually these roles bother me since they're overused, just the comedy element of things. But for him and Wig, I wish there was more of them. I, like it's usually like the other way around. I'm like, oh, there's too much of that, and. I you know cut a lot of them up. I wish it was more of those two just on screen because they were so funny together. Even the little scene when like they're <laughs> they're putting like the um the googly eyes on the stuffed bananas, <laughs> and then he's he's like I'm running out of eyeballs, and she's like Oh, I did that too, so I started doing this, and she's <laughs> yeah. and he's like Oh, wow, that's cool. The corn dogs on this one, corn dogs are like yeah. oh, I was just delivered. <laughs> yeah. Stuff like that was just so good, but yeah, not a whole lot would change. Just some nitpicky things as usual. Yeah, I agree. Not much that I would change. One thing that I could 100% do without, though, is the entire character of Frigo and his, like, recurring joke about hitting James in the nuts and and whatever. Like, I get that you're supposed to hate him, but I didn't feel like there was enough of a payoff for, like, I don't know. He's the one character that I... Maybe if they did more scenes with the whole group, it would have... I would have um, got it more. But... I don't know. I, yeah. I didn't like him. Not and then the, the other thing that we you talked about the ending earlier. So I, I would do, I don't know how I would do this differently, but the one part about the ending that I didn't like was that it kind of comes out of nowhere. It goes from like, he hits Frigo in the nuts when they're like in the, on the hill with his buddies. Then they play unsatisfied by the replacements while he rides the bus for like five seconds. And then he has his reunion with Kristen Stewart. I don't know. I think the transition could have been smoother, but that's me looking for an issue. And then once he is with her, I, I like the ending. I agree with you hundred percent. I like the ending. It's just that it kind of went from like, it just happened that that last little bit happened too fast for me. That's all. Yeah, no, that does. It does move along fast. We literally, like you said, we literally see Joel in the driveway, bring in James to wherever, like the bus up, like you said, it happens very fast with no indication that it is going to happen. So it's, it's literally like, they're in the field with his buddies or yeah joel in the driveway and then if you i'm trying to think of like if you like like went to make a cup of coffee even if you had the coffee <laughs> with you you'd come back and you'd be like what the hell happened like it's so <laughs> fast <In> New York? <laughs> yeah it's so fast and i think they could have they could have here's like a one way that i would have they could have done it they stretched out that bus ride they show like they have the great song playing they have him on the bus stretch it out get more of the song and have him do something else on the bus like have him look at something that like reminds him of her or like 
I don't know, like talk to his parents and tell them that he's got to go like not not to be like Goodwill Hunting, but he's got to go see about a girl or he's got to go to New York City. It's where he belongs. Like anything. It just that one that one little transition was like just a little too fast for me. That's all. Yeah, it'd be kind of cool. I know it's if you don't purpose of the whole the theme of like these kids really don't know what he doesn't really know what he wants to do with his life. But it wouldn't be cool to see like in the beginning, maybe a season. I, I, I just saw this as you were talking, but a scene where he has a hobby, maybe he's writing or art or something where he does in the beginning of the movie, maybe like on the, like, on the bus ride home, you see him continuing that little passion. So even though we don't get an answer of what he might do in the future, we have that hint that he might be okay. Right. And that all kind of ties into my score a little bit. So um, we've gotten to the part of the podcast where we rate our movies on a scale of one to five. Would you mind paying Leafy to keep this movie? So a score of one is low. That would be you get five minutes of the movie. You find out that James isn't going to get to go on his trip. And you think that that's not fair. You turn off the movie. You don't want to finish it. All the way up to a score of five, which is you're going to watch a movie again, keep it a few extra days, pay the late fees, maybe even just buy it from the rental store because you don't want to bring it back. You want to show it all your friends. So a score of one is low. Score of five is high. And I love this movie. Um, there are many that I can think of, any other films that, can think, that I can think of that capture like the awkward early 20 years better than Adventureland where everybody's pretending that they have things figured out. And James, uh, Jesse Eisenberg does that so well as James, where he's like quoting other authors and like, that is so every 20 year old kid, especially college kids <clears throat> where they're trying to put out this front, like they, they get what life is and they know what they're going to do. And they have no, no one has any idea what they're going to be. You know, no one does. So um, I think he and I, he and Kristen Stewart are both, great but i think they're kind of limited as far as their range goes as actors but i think that this is right in both of their like sweet spots like this is that you couldn't write a better movie for both of them supporting cast is great soundtrack is one of my favorites that we've ever done um i gave this one a four and a half out of five joe yes awesome so i'm pretty much right there with you i also gave this movie a four and a half out of five um eventually is one of my fair summer movies that I decided to pick in the winter because I just couldn't wait. And this movie is a very simple romantic comedy on paper, like I said before, that really can't be compared to other laugh out loud movies. Like in this case, on the DVD cover, they say, from the darkness were bad. People going into it thinking that are gonna be disappointed. This movie captures the transition to adulthood perfectly, where a lot of people at the amusement park are just lost, but they find other things that keep them going. In this case, love is a pretty recurring theme with a lot of them. Um, the cast is amazing. The trio specifically, Star, Stewart, and Eisenberg, and uh, Jesse Eisenberg, they're, they're great. And you really grow to love this group of people. Even if you don't see a lot of them on screen for a long time, with the exception of Frigo, you really do agree. You really do love a majority of them. And you, I kind of wish we had more scenes of them together. But in the end, this is a great romantic comedy about trying to figure things out after, after high school. And become an adult and i even like how um at the end because like the whole the whole um time you're thinking that ryan reynolds character mike connell who's kind of like a dirtbag he's kind of preying on younger young girls and everyone thinks he's so cool and then at the end james gets to like kind of it's kind of like a subtle way because connell's talking to the new crop of you know young impressionable girls and he's talking about music and James corrects him on one of the songs that he's referencing. I don't remember. So, it was, I can't remember. If it was so a Rush I song love by Lou Reed? I think it was. Yeah, it was. Yeah. So it's kind of his way of being like, "I know you're full of shit, man. Like I'm onto you, and like whatever." 
so it was yeah it, it was great it was i love so, that i love that end scene like you said it was one like it was a subtle just jab at him because he is a shitty person but and i think jesse like he really i love when he realizes that like he sees a new girl's there he's already talking to him and like he accepts the fact that it's just who that guy is and it just moves on yeah and that in life you know not ryan reynolds he's obviously doing fine but life for that guy who's like the cool 25 year old or 28 year old or whatever he's supposed to be preying on the 20 year old life does not end up you, you can only be the cool local musician for so long when you're you know what i mean it doesn't doesn't end well so yeah. um other than that follow us on instagram like i said at the beginning worth a late fee suggestions are always welcome please send them in um We'll be back next week, and where this is my pick. This this eventually was Joe's pick, so the next one's my pick. And it's tough because I have so many movies that I want us to review in the 2000s that I've been putting off. But we've started with two great movies now, and I don't want to do all like movies right, that yeah. are fives. <laughs> but I also don't want to intentionally pick bad movies either. Right. So we're gonna rewatch a movie that won a lot of awards, set in Boston. And I rewatched it recently and I didn't love it as much as I remembered liking it. So I figured I'd watch it again. A day I'm in a good mood. Get Joe's opinion. I didn't hate it, but we're going to be rewatching Mystic River. So, okay. Yep. Awesome. I spent a while since I've seen that. So, yeah. Maybe. And like I said, we'll, we'll both see what we think. So, I want to say once, actually. No, I think if I want to say that, yeah, fully once. So, and it was the year it was when I made for an Oscar. So, 2003 year i graduated yeah, it's, high school it's been a long time so yeah thank you guys very much for listening and we'll be back next week with mr grimmer awesome as always thank you everyone